Anyway, the basil's dying, Chris. It's dying. It doesn't have enough sun because it's raining. Vacation B. Um, hello. Buzz, buzz. Welcome to Chronically Narnia. As you can hear, I've got a little bit of a um, thing going on with my voice. I've had a cold for the last week. Um, it sounds sexier. Is this your sexy voice? <laughs> um, so... Pardon me if I sound a little more baritone today. Um, welcome to Chronically Narnia. It's a podcast in which we, uh, the hosts of this podcast, discuss the, the Chronicles hosts? of Narnia uh, chapter by chapter. At this point, we are at chapter 10 of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. We are three quarters of the way the through the book. The title of the chapter is The Spell Begins to Break. Where are we at in this book? We're three quarters of the way through. We're 75% through this book. Oh my. Seems there's like 20 chapters in this book? There's 15. Okay, then we're two, Six, oh. two thirds of the way through this book. Gosh, I did a fraction wrong, didn't 66 I? 66% of the way through you the book. You know what? It's my vacation. I don't have to do math. In fact. Anyway. So, hello. <laughs> I am Kristen, also known as a little bottle that might be made of glass or diamonds, Ooh. and this is my co-host. I'm an old hiding place for beavers and bad times. Also known as? Chris. Welcome, Chris. <sighs> Welcome, audience. Um, so, we're discussing the chapter 10, The Spell Begins to Break. Hooray. Chris, tell us more about what we're going to do today. We're going to discuss chapter 10, The Spell Begins to Break. Um, we are 66% of the way through this book. <laughs> Roll us and, into our first segment, <clears throat> And we start off uh, by summarizing the chapter. And we each pick out five sentences from the chapter that we think, uh, you know, succinctly tell the story uh, and convey the message that it's trying to convey. And we just start out with a baseline of doing that. So, Kristen, if you want to go ahead and read your sentences, yours are going to be better than mine. So I think I started last time. Oh, no, well, okay. then I will. No, that no, 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 okay. no, okay. no, 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 no. I'll read them. You asked me. <laughs> okay. I'll read them. Okay. All right, here's my five-sentence summary. <clears throat> but we can't get there before her whatever we do, for she'll be on a sledge, and we'll be walking. And so, at last, they all got outside, and Mr. Beaver locked the door. It'll delay her a bit, he said. And they set off, all carrying their loads over their shoulders. It was very small. So that when they all lay down, they were all a bundle of clothes together, and what with that and being warmed up by their long walk, they were really rather snug. And on the sledge sat a person whom everyone knew the moment they set eyes on him. And now, said Father Christmas, for your presence. Fun. Uh, I should have changed my introduction, and I should have been like, I'm your co-host, rather snug. Because that's my... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's my radio name now. You are. You're. You're rather snug. I'm rather snug. This is DJ Rather Snug. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And his co-host, um, a bottle of glass. Anyway, <laughs> Ooh, that's just you know, it's one of those things. Like cellar door. 
That's one of those beautiful phrases in the English language. Uh, anyway, so I think I hit a lot of the same plot points you did, or vice versa. I just used different lines for them. Uh, yeah. Our summary is going to be rather similar. Uh-huh. So the mine is as follows. You didn't think we'd set out on a journey with nothing to eat, did you? We can't get there before her, but we can keep undercover and go by ways she won't expect, and perhaps we'll get through. It wasn't such a nice cave as Mr. Tummins's, Lucy thought. Just a hole in the ground, but dry and earthy. Everyone knew him because, though you see people of his sort only in Narnia, you see pictures of them and hear them talked about even in our world, the world on this side of the wardrobe door. The witch's magic is weakening. Oh, so you didn't actually get to Mr. Uh, Mister Claus. I didn't. <laughs> Father Christmas. Because I thought that was a really good line to end on because that's the entire point of the chapter. Yes. So I wanted to get there. I see. Um, so there's our summaries. There's a number of, of things that I want to hit in this chapter uh, while we have time. Um, some of them are really pedantic and dumb, but other ones I think we could actually have conversations about. So why don't you start us off? And Is there anything that you want to jump into? Well, I mean, from a pedantic pedantic mm-hmm. and dumb sense i wrote down a few random words throughout the chapter that i just thought were funny yeah like um <laughs> frousty <laughs> when they all come out of the hole they all frousty. look frousty f-r-o-w-s-t-y they look unbrushed and uncombed is a, is frousty frosty with a german accent i don't know but it's frousty oh she frousty frousty <laughs> You're shouting a lot on this one. I was being German. Oh, she frousty. <laughs> I feel like it's like almost as much feisty as it is frosty. Like they're frousty. Possibly. Anyway, those are a couple of random notes that I wrote down. Um, this for... is our serious literature podcast. There are some words in the chapter that I thought were funny. <laughs> frousty. <laughs> also, splutter. Uh-huh. When they when they straight up drink alcohol. Yeah, when, we'll get we'll get when there. When they serve the children alcohol we'll, to put them to sleep, we'll get there. the children splutter. Yep. And cough. Yep. Anyway, so those were some funny words I thought. <laughs> those are that's what stood out to me in the chapter besides my fem- feminist rant about Santa Claus telling Lucy she can't uh, fight. We'll get there too. Um, uh, Kristen's almost on vacation as well, if you can tell. She's... Almost. Almost. I've got I've got a six-hour shift tonight to get through, and then I'll be on vacation. So a couple things I want to hit here. Um, so, yeah, they're 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 packing. We open the the thing with saying we want to get back to Mister and Mister Beaver. They're packing because they gotta like Vominos because the witch is on her way. She'll be there in a quarter of an hour. Um, they're trying to reach the stone table. You know, everything's you know. They're trying to pack for a long journey here. Well, no, they aren't. Mrs. Beaver is, <laughs> and everyone else is like, please stop. Yeah. We need to go. And she's like, are you serious? We're we going to go we without, go with a, dinner. without I mean, a bread knife? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, I think the first thing I wanted to add here is, um, well, they, they, they pack a single packet of tea and some sugar for all of them, which I feel like is kind of, you know, for a, for a teapot to have a teapot, single packet of tea though. You make single, a teapot. You make a pot of tea. Yeah. She has a packet to make a pot of tea. But a single packet of tea goes into like a cup of tea that I no, eat, I drink. That this is 
the you're in Narnia now. <laughs> it's extra strong tea. Human? Yeah. No, it is a packet of tea to make a pot of tea, which will serve all of them, and it will be the leaves will be used multiple times because that's proper and unwasteful. Like a badger would be. Not a badger. Wow. Like wow. a beaver would be. <laughs> you speciesist. Anyway, there's this line where Mr. Beaver's like, that's true enough, Mrs. Beaver, which I think is a weird way to refer to your wife. No, like, but, but like in in England at the time, this is very much the way that people would refer to their wife in the presence of children. Uh-huh. Like they would refer to, you know. Yeah, I mean, like always, this is a very British thing. This is not, British. this is a very British thing and it is very much a, 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 of its time. So I, I mean, I, di- I, I disagree with you as far as it just being a weird thing. Like I think that it's of its time and it's very appropriate. Which I, which I think is, I guess it is a little bit weirder. Like this is another thing I've always had an issue with. It's a little bit weirder than like the people who like refer to themselves as like mom and dad. Like, what do you mean? Like the married couples with kids who are just like, well, mom says this, or like, you know, dad. Dad, dad told me that you guys didn't do this, and like referring married, to their spouse, yeah, yes, as like not themselves. Yes, yeah. so like, like it's like a, a a man referring to his wife as mom. But is, <laughs> you also don't want the children to be calling you by name. Yeah. So like, if I mean, they're the the people in like my mom and dad. It was go ask your dad, go ask your mom, which is your. Yeah. But then it's, it's also like, the like what did things. mom say? Yeah. Is not I don't feel like that's inappropriate or or weird like And I have seen instances of this where couples refer to uh, themselves by these names outside the presence of children. Yeah, but you And and like it's two it's two adult people hanging out who are, and you know I have so just much like... to say to you on this <laughs> that's not going to make it into the podcast, but like <laughs> You didn't grow up with a mom and a dad in the house. I didn't, but it's so weird. You didn't, you don't get to... If we ever have children and we're hanging out by we're ourselves... We're not going to have children. <laughs> you don't get to judge the way that people's lives change when they have children because you don't, you won't, and you haven't been in a position where you were the child of two parents, like, and it has saw them interact outside of you being present. Right, like, so my broken childhood aside, uh, <laughs> moving on... Um, and we have this moment where Mrs. Just don't comment on how parents are act. You don't know. Yeah. That was a, that was a dirty, poor orphan. Anyway. So then we have this moment where Mrs. Beaver really, really wants to pack the sewing machine for their, uh, their escape camping adventure. You laughed really hard when, when he was like, yes, it is too heavy, didn't you? No. that was You not, laughed that, twice at that this was, book, yes. and I know when one of them was, but I couldn't figure out what the other that was. That was not when one of the moments was. Uh, we haven't gotten there yet. But Mrs. Beaver, real concerned that the witch is going to come and break or steal her sewing machine, which apparently, like, which... Or fiddle with it. Empress, or just yeah. fiddle with it. Empress of Narnia, she controls the entire land. She's got magic. She can do whatever she wants. But she really needs to steal Mrs. Beaver's sewing machine because, you know, why not? Because that's what evil people do. I mean, I think she's more concerned about the witch's flunkies like Malgrim or something like that. Why does coming the wolf in? need a sewing machine? Not need it. Come in and trash it. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, getting to other points i wanted to discuss um you know along the way let's go on this journey with them uh they're going down like 
back they're, roads and hidden yeah, paths. Yeah, and they're and, going in a in a area that they that the sledge won't be able yes. to traverse. So they're not trying to beat her there. They know so, they can't. So I guess that kind of brings to a discussion question: Why are they going in the first place? Well, they gotta go. They're, they've <laughs> been summoned to meet Aslan. Yeah. Have they? Yes, that's what. Have they actually been summoned? Yes, Mr. Beaver said it in the last chapter that they were supposed to get in them there to meet him the next day. Okay. If if they could get there. Okay. Um, yeah, they were summoned. Sure, and we we, ma- we talked about how weird it was. Like, who summoned? Who let the beavers know that they were? Was it the birds? Or the bees? Um. Anyway, so we go down this journey. We're walking along the riverbank, like you know in a path that's too narrow for a sledge to go down, apparently. Uh, and we find a little hole in the ground. Uh, and we have this moment where Peter is saying, wherever is this, sounding tired and pale in the darkness. And this is the first moment I laughed really, <laughs> really hard out of this chapter, saying, "I parentheses, I hope you know what I mean by a voice sounding pale. And this is one of those rare moments of, like, I don't know, like self-conscious metafiction or fourth wall breaking where like we have an omniscient narrator, but then the omniscient narrator is like second guessing how he wrote the book (laughs) where he's like, I'm going to write this line. Oh, I hope the reader knows what I meant by that line. And like, I I, I was struggling to think of another example of this and I couldn't, but that that was an interesting little moment in this chapter. Oh, I'm also thinking like, (laughs) I feel like there's a certain amount of camaraderie that Lewis as the, uh, like the, the character of the narrator that he's building here, uh-huh. um, is trying to build with the audience and has been from the beginning where he is talking about like, oh, and this is, you know, the same way that you don't know who Aslan is. They don't know, but they still felt this way and stuff like the, yeah. the, the character of the narrator is very much building a camaraderie relationship with the audience because like you could have just as easily said that his voice sounded thin yeah or his voice sounded weak and not had that little parenthetical moment in there between the narrator and the audience so i appreciated it as well um because it just drew into mind more this character of the narrator that we haven't touched on a whole lot yeah and like we're developing more the character of the narrator in this particular story than we had it in magician's nephew at all yeah i get that so they find an old hiding place for beavers in bad times yes which is my uh identity for the chapter um is i mean and and my first question was was this a place that you know was created during the start of this hundred year wane of the witch or is this a thing that's been around for a long long time and like occasionally how many bad times have there been for beavers? occasionally just beavers just have a bad time of it Maybe, I mean, maybe when a beaver's um, dam gets broken down or something like that happens, (laughs) or they need a place to stay. Maybe it's more like a boarding house than a hidey hole. I mean, it very much is just a hole. And like in this realm of magic and whatnot, like, you know, here's this institution of all beaver kind, and it's like a five foot wide hole in the side of a riverbank. I mean, it's it's... a secret place for them to to have. when When the beavers are... Going through some stuff. <laughs> when the beaver version of the coronavirus is sweeping the land. and <laughs> Topical references. Let's, Topical let's, references. Let's date this here podcast. Um, 
And it wasn't nearly in such a nice cave as Mr. Thomas, as Lucy thought. Just a hole in the ground, but dry and earthy. And this line, for me, harkened back to, you know, in the hole in the ground there was a hobbit. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of that book. And... It's I, a different author. Yeah, it's a different author. What? You're making it, it a textual, cross-textual <laughs> reference? Yeah, I am making a cross-textual reference to something that's not House of Leaves for once. What? Referencing the Hobbit. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Are you feeling well? Yeah. Did I get you sick? No. Do you have the coronavirus? <laughs> and I hope not. We're flying tomorrow. Uh, and I, I would like to throw out for discussion the idea that there's some sort of parallel here between these types of characters like hobbits and beavers like do they occupy the same niche in the respective worlds that they're in did frodo want to take the sewing machine with him <laughs> you know bilbo would have bilbo would have <laughs> i feel like no I, I don't entirely disagree with you because they're very homey they're very protective they're very yeah nurturing and and food focused yeah very food focused mm-hmm. um yeah no they have hairy feet they do <laughs> but also the visual image of mr beaver helping mrs beaver put on her snow boots can we just take a moment <laughs> to just sit with that Oh, i have the picture of that in this book oh your book has the picture of that yeah, yeah. there's a little illustration of him helping her put on her snow boots <laughs> <laughs> we'll post that on the Instagram for Oh, that's delightful. Those of you who don't have my version. Uh their tails still look weird. But Yeah, no, I <sighs> disagree. Uh yeah, are do they are they a similar like societal niche where, you know, beavers are like just you know, they keep to themselves. We've got know. a have we got a regular Frodo and Sam here? <sighs> or a Mary and Pippin. Are are Mr. and Mrs. Beaver the real heroes of this story? I don't think that that would be, a, like, I, I think that that would be a good line to follow because uh-huh. you even, uh, uh, like, have mentioned early, like, in one of the other episodes that, like, the beavers just stopped being a character. And I was like, no, no, they don't. Like, they don't. <laughs> and, like, even Santa, even Father Christmas starts by giving gifts to them, uh-huh. promising to drop them off at home. And he gets Mrs. Beaver a new sewing machine and finishes part of the dam for Mr. Beaver. Like He's got a new sluice gate. Yeah. Whatever that is. It's a gate for the sluice. <laughs> Obviously. Okay. Uh-huh. Did Take you a... do research on that? Uh, I, I should have. Uh-huh. I almost yeah. said. Yeah, you should have. Shouldn't <laughs> you have? <laughs> anyway. So we're getting ahead of ourselves. But they find a little snug hole in the ground. And then Mrs. Beaver drugs all the children. Yeah, Let's... straight up. Like, I mean, she passes around a flask. A booze. And, like, and, we... Yeah, and like the sentence says, Then Mrs. Beaver handed around in the dark a little flask out of which everyone drinks something. So they all have coronavirus now. It made one cough and splutter a little and stung the throat. But yeah. it also made you feel deliciously warm after you swallowed and everyone went straight to sleep. Yep. She absolutely <laughs> just gave these three children alcohol. Probably brandy. Probably brandy. <laughs> Who knows? Harkening back to uh, old Uncle Andrew. Yep. <sighs> Good old brandy. Um, but yeah, and then they all go to sleep. And then they wake up to the sound of sleigh bells, which... Everyone knows the witch has bells on her sleigh. Nobody mm. knows that she took them off last night when she left in a hurry. Yeah. 
Um, but Mr. Beaver rushes outside and the narrator says, now you might be thinking that that's a bad idea, but <laughs> As, no. I mean, we've established that Mr. Beaver is an idiot. Uh, it's a really <laughs> smart idea because he was the one who could get out there quietly to see which way the witch was going. Yeah. Which way the witch was going. Uh-huh. If we trust him, and that, that was another thing I wanted to touch on that we kind of passed over, where Mrs. Beaver in the beginning is packing all these packs for the children and then uh, says there's five loads and the smallest for the smallest of us, that's you, my dear, she added looking at Lucy. So we've established that both Mr. and Mr. Beaver are larger than Lucy. No, 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 no. <laughs> we've established that they're 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 maternal and paternal towards Lucy. I think that they are smaller than Lucy, but I okay. think she's making a point of saying, "You're the youngest. You're the smallest. You're the weakest. We're yeah. going to protect you. We may be physically smaller than you, but we've got yeah. you covered." And I think that that. I, I very much think of it in that way, that Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are extending protection to yeah. Lucy in that way, where Mrs. Beaver is saying, the smallest pack is for the smallest of us, that's you, making it very clear that it's, that though she may not physically be the smallest, she is the, the weakest of them. Oh, cute. Uh, I was just going to make a, a dumb comment and be like, you know, Lucy is like eight or nine years old here. These are enormous beavers. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> no, I, I read it more as a symbolic parental move yeah, on the probably, part of Mrs. Beaver. Yeah, that's probably smarter in this, you know, literary analysis podcast we have. Yeah. Other than my, my comment being like, oh, the beavers are huge. They're so big. <laughs> I just... That's a big old beaver. Anyway. <laughs> um. So they wake up. Mr. Beaver rushes outside like a flash. Um, the flash. Then sneaks a up. flash. Who knows? Um, and then Mr. Beaver calls them outside uh, because apparently this is not the witch. This is somebody else. No, it's not her. Which, if it had been the witch and she had caught him and coerced him into getting them out, that would be the exact same thing that he would say. Which I mean, yeah, you could totally read this chapter this way. You know, the you know the the Beavers lead the kids out away from safety down to the edge of the riverbank. They Instead of hole. just staying at their house. They find a little hole in the ground and drug them to put them to sleep. And then Mrs. Mr. Beaver immediately rushes out hearing bells and being like, Oh no, children, it's safe. Come outside. Like, I mean, definitely two ways you can read the first part of this chapter. You really, you really don't trust people, do you? Edmund got you bad. <laughs> he did get me bad. Uh, <laughs> but I did want to jump in here to page 106 on my book. And ask you something because your expertise as an English major will come in here. Digame. It's all right, he was shouting. Come out, Mrs. Beaver. Come out, sons and daughters of Adam. It's all right. It isn't her. This was bad grammar, of course. But that is how beavers talk when they're excited. (laughs) Now, I read that multiple times, and I could not find what part of this is bad grammar. (laughs) So help me out here. (laughs) Tell me why this is wrong. Um, so technically, um, her is an objective form as opposed to uh, a subjective form. And so when you have a sentence that equivalates two things with an is, a being verb, it would be it is she or it, it isn't she would be grammatically correct. It's not colloquial. It's not how we normally speak, uh-huh. <laughs> but proper grammar uh, the it is the subject, and what it equals also has to be subjective. So it would have to be, it isn't she. 
yeah. that would be grammatically correct. But it isn't her is clo- is it's common. It's how we talk. Yeah. But grammatically, it would have to be subjective in the in in the form of the pronoun as yeah. opposed to um, objective as it's used. Yeah. I like the contrast here between like earlier in the chapter. You're where we... welcome for explaining that thing that you Thanks. asked me to stop and explain. I was continuing. Thank you so much, Kristen. Uh-huh. I appreciate you. So I want to contrast that with this moment earlier, which I just mentioned, which is, oh, I hope you know what I mean by a voice sounding pale. And then, hey, I'm expecting you to know this advanced grammar. It's that's... not advanced <laughs> grammar because like at the time it would be, I mean, that's it's the kind of thing that that. Kids would be like, it isn't she, where their parents would correct them in the same way that they would be like, you know, yes, not yeah, nowadays. Like, it's a lot less common for parents to be worried about that. See, nowadays, but like, like... No, I had I had someone do it in my line the other day. It was hilarious. <laughs> this woman was with two of her, two kids, and I don't know if they were nieces or daughters, but she had two kids with her. Um... And when I asked if the kid wanted whipped cream on their drink or whatever, the uh, the kid said, yeah. And the mom or whoever goes, yes, yes, please. And like corrects the kid. And then a moment later when I asked the mom if she wanted a receipt, the mom went, yeah. And I looked at her and I went, yes. <laughs> and handed her a receipt. And she, it was a great moment. We all had a good laugh. But it, she was just like, thank you. Because I mean, like, she just straight up corrected the kid, and I was like, no, I'm not going to let that one fly when you're using yeah right in front of them two seconds after telling them they can't say yeah. She took it in good stride, and she she thought it was funny. Which but... is one of those things, this is completely beside the point of the podcast, but it's one of those things where I'm like, why? Like, pick your battles as a yeah, parent. But, like, but this is the kind of thing that we've moved away from in culture today, yeah. which was very much still a thing at this point in time. Yeah. Like, it was about being seen as proper, and it was about being understood as being proper, and, yeah. and it was a, a lot more about this kind of, you know, yes, pick your battles, absolutely, but, like, this is also a place where this author cannot be presenting himself as condoning this kind of misuse in grammar. Like, uh-huh. you know, he has to say face and... and prevent children from saying well i read it in a book so it has to be this way yeah when their parents are correcting them on something um or school teachers let's just let's not say it's just parents correcting well i mean let's go down this rabbit hole a little bit of like do you think that in modern literature i would i mean i would say so that in i don't know the question so i can't agree that in that in modern literature like a lot of modern authors have gone so far into like uh, like finding a unique voice or like using colloquialisms where, you know, finding really proper grammar in modern fiction is notable. Um, I want to correct your terms here and use contemporary. Modern is actually a time period of okay. literature, um, but you're referring to contemporary literature. Uh-huh. Um, and so I would say that it's less about finding a colloquial voice uh-huh. So much as uh, serving their text. Uh-huh. So, like for example, in a book like that's told from a first-person perspective, uh-huh. any adolescent fiction, a lot of very popular fiction is told in a first-person perspective, and you're obviously going to want your narrator to be the character that's talking. Uh-huh. So it's going to have a very you know, and if you're 
writing something that's in a dialect or you know in a specific region of the world you're going to be using different words and terms and things like that yeah um and at the time that was the dialect this is very much the character of the culture that this is coming from and so you have to you have to read it that way so like i i don't think that like culture and like literature nowadays is moving away from this sense of propriety i think i think culture is and the literature is reflecting that Uh uh-huh if that makes sense yeah if i said any of that correctly in my head i don't think i said it right but yeah no i appreciate your input here how how long do you think it'll be before we start seeing books with emojis in them (laughs) we already do (laughs) there already are there's adolescent books that are titled with emojis like those have been a thing for years anyway uh god no i just have no hope for the world um moving on (laughs) uh so we meet somebody important we introduce a new character in this book here have some of this have some from my flask yeah you'll feel better (sighs) you'll feel warm uh so we meet father christmas yes hello father christmas not santa claus Father Christmas. It is Father Christmas. And I do like the pa- the fact that we talk about like how some pictures of Father Christmas in our world make him look only funny and jolly. And like uh, how he talks about this is the kind of place where you can meet these people, but in our world we have pictures and ideas about them. Uh-huh. And I just kind of liked the way that like Lewis has established this with like the dryads and the fawn and things like these are things that exist within our cultural knowledge yeah but they are not things that exist here we've got paintings of them we've got drawings of them but we can't meet a fawn we can't meet father christmas but we can here in narnia because this is a place that has those things from our mythos on earth just like the narnians have a mythos about humans you know is man a myth yeah you know what 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 is the purpose of a rubber duck What is the purpose of a rubber duck, Chris? I don't know. Your parents have a collection of those. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> they used to sell them. Somewhere. Um, anyway, I never I never understood rubber ducks, but that's beside the point. So we meet Father Christmas. <laughs> this is going to be your subtitle for this chapter when yeah. you post it. And, and we discuss uh, rubber ducks. Why? Who knows? Um, so we meet Father Christmas. Let's talk a bit about... Uh, I think it's interesting that Father Christmas is in this world in general. Uh, and I, I feel like, the you know, this book was written 60 years ago. This speaks a lot to kind of where society is gone and specifically where, like, Christian society is gone, where I feel like now, maybe less so in just the last few years, but in modern American Christianity you have this massive pushback against figures like Santa Claus because you can't have I know, Santa. I, I think that's very much a, a 15, 20 year ago thing. Cause I, I still see it sometimes. Okay. Where like you, you know, you have parents who are just like, Oh no, we don't want to introduce Santa to our kids because like, Oh, they'll think Jesus is the same thing. And we can't like, no, mm. I, I, I mean like, and Santa's this symbol of, like, the commercialization of Christmas, and he subverts the meaning behind the holiday, and eh. the American war on Christmas, and how we have to I don't have... want to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, like, your 
you're very much talking about a very specific your you grew up in a southern christian environment like mm. i grew up in southern california with very with parents who were very conservative christians and yeah. i still got to pretend that the presents under the tree were santa and yeah. to sleep in front of the fireplace to wait for santa like and we knew santa wasn't real but like it was very much you know still we we talked about it as if it was a thing that we all pretended to believe in yes and like i don't think that like i think that you're talking from your cultural experience growing up and i don't have the same one so i think that it's unfair for you to say this is the american experience it's not well i mean it's your experience from your limited cultural experience that you grew up in and in my limited cultural experience that i grew up in it wasn't that way i would say at the same time like literally three months ago at my former place of business which was a coffee shop we had i had a number of people per day like being personally offended that we did not sell specifically christmas themed gift cards and so like the yeah this was a thing that i dealt with where people were just like well why isn't coffee bean doing christmas themed cards it is the season. We and, have <laughs> holiday cards. Yep. They were upset that there were no specifically Christmas ones that they said were... Merry Christmas on them. Why? This, is, this was still, this is a thing in California in the year 2020. Okay, but I also <laughs> work at a coffee shop and I didn't have anybody complaining mm, about this. That's the difference in, you know. 40 miles. 40 miles of, of space. So this yeah, is still no, a like, cultural thing. It's not at <laughs> large, though. Like, this is people's limited experience. Like, I, you cannot say that it's an overriding cultural experience. Uh-huh. There, you'll have encounters with this. It exists. But, like, I don't want to talk about <laughs> yeah. any of this. Okay. I want to talk about Santa's gifts. Okay. We'll get, uh, yeah. I just thought it was an interesting point that we had It wasn't. Both. Father Christmas's <laughs> gifts. Father Christmas's yes. gifts. Yeah. Um... So we have Father Christmas showing up, giving gifts to all of them. He gives a, a, a gift to um, Mrs. Beaver. It'll be left at home, new sewing machine, Mr. Beaver, some work done on the house, and a new sluice okay. gate thing. Um, and then we have the kids. And I wanted to once again come back to their future titles of kings and queen mm-hmm. and talk about their gifts in light of those titles. Yeah, I thought you might. So Peter receives a sword um sheath sword belt and uh a shield that has a lion on it is it this the shield of faith and the sword of truth or the sword of the word it is peter the magnificent Uh receiving these magnificent gifts of sword and shield Uh defense and attack like he's very much come into this light of you know very much like your typical knight at this point, very uh-huh. much sword and shield, lion, um, fighter, defender. Yeah, he's the tank. He's the tank of or the party. the party. Yeah. Yep. Then we have um, Susan the Gentle. And she receives um, a horn that's an AOE effect to uh, mm-hmm. to uh, up the party. Yeah. And buff the party. Yeah. And she receives uh, a bow and arrows. So she's, you know, your... Your range DPS. Yeah, range DPS <laughs> with some some AOE party buffs. But she's not supposed to use that bow. She's not supposed to use the bow, which is a thing, Wait, but what? it doesn't easily miss. 
So why does she get the bow if she's not supposed to use it? I don't know, but she's Susan the Gentle, <laughs> so as the gentle one, she shouldn't be fighting. And why does he get but her a bow? But she should be calling people to aid, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, and then we have Lucy the Valiant. Uh-huh. And Lucy the Valiant receives a glass or diamond bottle filled with a liquid that will heal. So she's the healer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's got a little dagger. Yep. And the little dagger, he's... Father Christmas says it's to defend herself, but he doesn't intend her to fight. Uh-huh. And she straight up is just like, I think I could be brave enough to fight. Like, uh-huh. she's straight up looking at Peter's sword and her dagger just being like, nah, nah. <laughs> you can give me one of those. And um, and Father Christmas is like, battles become very messy when women fight them essentially yeah what's the quote ba- but battles are ugly when women fight but battles are <sighs> ugly when women fight now what does that mean <sighs> you have a feminist rant prepared for this i don't have one prepared because i was just going to go off the seat of my pants on this one but i mean we very much have established this idea that father christmas is willing to subvert the maternal imagery like he is willing to give them weapons in yeah. in defense giving weapons to the hungover children yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a toy it's a tool peter <laughs> um but also that he is very much giving them instructions and saying things like battles <coughs> are ugly battles are ugly when when children fight them is what he should be saying. <laughs> Who cares if there's women fighting? These are children. You are giving an eight-year-old a dagger telling her that she might need to defend herself in the upcoming war. Uh-huh. Like, these are children who are coming out of World War II, who fled from bombings, who fled from the city to be able to be safe. And I'm starting to lose my voice even more. We're getting through it. We're yeah, good. but... These are children who came literally out of war, running from war. And then Father Christmas is just like, yeah, you're going to need to fight. (laughs) And like, even in their fantastical fictional world, they are going in being armed for a war. Like, let's talk about, let's not talk about women being in battle and how ugly it gets. Let's talk about these are children. Uh-huh. Who are getting prepared for battle by Father Christmas. <laughs> like, the image of what is good. And, like, they even talk about him being Im- imagined as happy and funny and jolly, but also being somber. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like we've way gone, we've gone way far off the edge of jolly Santa <laughs> into somber Santa. Which I had a, a point to jump in with if you're... Go on though. Okay, but the um, but yeah, like from a from a feminist perspective, I mean, like we can argue that there are you know everyone can be what they want to be, but like when we talk about the future roles of these characters, Susan as the gentle, the mm-hmm. gifts that she's given by by Father Christmas very much line up with that, and what he tells her is very much in line with what it is that she is going to eventually grow into uh-huh. being Susan the gentle. Yeah. She is going to have, you know, a bow that she's not going to fire very often. It's not going to easily miss. There's a power in that gentleness. Mm -hmm. She's not going to miss easy. And she's going to be able to call people together in gentleness. Like, but then we have Lucy the Valiant. And Lucy the Valiant, like, 
Valiance has to do with having determination. And, like, I think that she shows more of the character she's going to be in her response mm-hmm. than the gift actually reflects who she is. Yeah. Because um, I feel like Peter's gift and Susan's gift both are more in line with who she's eventually going to be. But Lucy's, who she eventually becomes, is more to do with how she responded to it. Yeah. Because, like, Santa's like, here's a healing cordial. Here is a knife. And and I don't want you to fight. And Lucy's like, yeah, but I could fight. <laughs> and that's that's the determination. That's the valiance. That's who Lucy is eventually going to be. That's what she's going to grow into. Is like, yeah, you're going to give me a little sword and a little thing to heal people, but I'm a fight. Uh-huh. I'm going to do this. And so I feel like there's a very sharp distinction between the gifts of the older children and the younger child. Yeah. And we also have Edmund unpresent. Edmund the just. The yeah. Edmund the just not being present here and not receiving a present. What do you think his gifts would have been? I don't know. I mean, like, I imagine that he would also be armed in some way, but he also might just get a bowl of fruit. Like, who knows? Handcuffs. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, uh, the just. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we also have this willingness from Lucy to fight here, uh, getting way, way ahead of ourselves. Um, in the last battle, mm-hmm. Lucy turns away from it. No. I thought that was a thing. It's like I haven't read the book. But no. In reading about further developments of these characters, there's one of them that just decides to, like, peace out of the last battle. Yeah. Who is that? Susan. Susan. Okay, I thought it was Lucy. Yeah, no, okay. Lucy, Lucy's... Uh-huh. Yeah, no, okay. well, Susan. Well, we'll get there in two years. I think, maybe. <sighs> I, I think they're all present for the last battle. Okay. But in one of the future books, three of them come back, but Susan doesn't. Okay. Um, anyway, so I wanted to do a quick little comparison here between, and, you know, not a House of Leaves comparison again, uh, it's that other book that I read, between... Father Christmas as presented in this book and... Oh, come on. And- <laughs> You're not going to bring in Father Christmas from Dresden. No. But, no, no, but- no. Also, you need to stop holding the book in front of your mouth when you talk. Okay, sorry. You, I've lost a lot of your audio because of that. I'm sorry. Um, You're doing it right now. But Father Christmas in this book and then, f- spoilers, Father Christmas in the Dresden books. I think that you can He's can't- a very similar character. He is a very similar character, absolutely. Uh-huh. And I think that this way of presenting Father Christmas as this kind of show up, give gifts, challenge, make statements like this somber mm-hmm. um character. Yes, but Father Christmas in Dresden is also very much bored. Uh-huh. And looking for stuff to do. Like, this is a Father Christmas who's been banned from Narnia, who hasn't been able to get here. That He's finally here. Uh-huh. Like, I... I uh. Also, you're talking about stuff that's happening way into the series of Dresden, <laughs> and you're way spoiling things. I said spoiler alert. You can, you can edit in... Hey, spoiler alert. You can edit that in before the... Uh... Before I start on my little rant there. You gotta you gotta give more detail than that, <laughs> but whatever. Like, no... Uh, uh, <laughs> <sighs> um there we go i just i just think a father christmas or santa claus or whatever is one of those figures that shows up a lot in different types of fiction and is presented in lots of different ways yeah he definitely his- does he shows up in a lot of fantasy fiction as this kind of character that and i think that it's more of he's a touchstone uh-huh. i was actually just listening to an episode of aaron Mankey's lore 
about Father Christmas and Krampus and all of these different myths of these different um, witches and and characters that have well, across many cultures uh-huh. this kind of role of the Santa or the the Father Christmas or yeah things like that and yeah no like there's a lot of really interesting mythology there here on earth in our cultures at large like there's a lot of different associations that come in when you start talking about this i recommend that people go listen to the episode of lore about uh santa and santa related figures there you go uh so yeah i recommend people listen to aaron Mankey's lore it's one of the earlier episodes it's episode 24 24 it's episode 24 <laughs> Uh, a stranger among us um a lot about christmas and santa and all of that kind of stuff uh if you want a little more information about some of these cultural um thingamajigs things on this side of the wardrobe on this side of the wardrobe door um so anyway we need to kind of we should have titled it that (laughs) this should be our podcast on this side of the wardrobe door that would be a really long hashtag. It would. Um, so anyway, need to wrap the chapter up. We meet Santa, gives him gifts, tells him that you know the women should stay out of it, uh, and then gives some tea and makes the tea happen for everybody. Oh yeah, that was Edmund's gift. <laughs> he was just like tea, tea for everybody. Um, Thank you know. goodness that Miss Mrs. Beaver brought a bread knife. Yep, or butter knife or whatever knife. She she thought to pack that. She thought to pack a knife. Um and yeah, the spell's beginning to break. Christmas is showing up. You know, it was never Christmas for a hundred years. All this winter, never Christmas, and here's Christmas showing up. So we know something's happening, and so uh, we can actually believe them now. Father Christmas says something about Aslan being on the move. Yes, he like, does. We are sixty six percent of the way through this book. We still have not met this Aslan. True. <laughs> um, I mean, the next chapter is called Aslan is nearer. It's not called Aslan is here. (laughs) He's just closer. Maybe we meet him in this chapter. Maybe we don't. But uh, anything else you want to say on the chapter before we move on to our rewrite section? Uh, Not particularly. I didn't really have any other notes. I think I just really wanted to talk about the gifts and the future titles of the kings and queens of Narnia. Yeah. Boop. So that was an important one. All right. So... Let's just go into our next segment here where we go back through the chapter, pick out five more sentences. Uh, This is called Narnia Chopped and Screwed. And we rewrite the chapter, tell our own story. Mine is garbage. I'll admit that right away. Go ahead and read yours, Kristen. Okay. So if you want to do your own chapter rewrites, we're just selecting sentences throughout the chapter, pulling five sentences out, making a new sentence. If you do your own, uh, hashtag... Narnia chopped and screwed or at us on Twitter or whatever. Please someone do this. We've been doing this for like a year now and nobody's done this yet. <laughs> We've been doing it for less than a year. Well, like a year. 52 weeks in a year. Like a year now. And well, <laughs> it's 52 weeks in a year. We've done 30 episodes. Yeah. Anyway, go on. So here's my chapter rewrite. What a mercy I thought to bring the bread knife. <laughs> I can't abide the thought of that witch fiddling with it, said Mrs. Beaver, and breaking it or stealing as likely as not. That is not the point. This is a nasty knock for the witch. 
And she stopped looking at the dazzling brightness of the frozen river with all its waterfalls of ice and at the white masses of the treetops and at the glaring moon and the countless stars and could only watch the little short legs of Mr. Beaver going pad, 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 pad through the snow in front of her as if they were never going to stop. Okay. What was your idea here? Your last sentence threw me off. I thought I, you had I, a thing going with I, the bread knife. I had a then... thing going with it, and I couldn't land it, so <laughs> I just really wanted to say pad, 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 pad. <laughs> I was going to say, this snow. is the reason you included this, because pad, 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 pad. It's one of those things that you would enjoy. Yep. Uh-huh. Pad, 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 pad. That's the sound that Kristen makes in the middle of the night when she's going to get bread. Yes. In the kitchen. Pad, 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 <laughs> pad through the snow on my little legs. Yep. My short little legs. Yep. All right. So, yeah. Kristen is like five foot seven, like five foot three of that all torso. <laughs> like, she's got like. Pad, <laughs> on my little tiny legs. She's got tiny little legs. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, here's mine. Which you're going to hate me for. Oh, do please come on, said Lucy. Now, don't you get fussy. There's a deer, said Mrs. Beaver. But just get half a dozen clean handkerchiefs out of the drawer. But we haven't time, said Susan, buttoning the collar of her coat. I can't abide the thought of that witch fiddling with it, said Mrs. Beaver, and breaking it or stealing it, as likely as not. But battles are ugly when women fight. (laughs) <laughs> so you had a little argument between uh, them between susan and mrs beaver that was my whole thing it looks like i'm you know there you go you're cute uh all right so let's get into our rating um your I, rating I, I i was gonna do a story about you know mrs beaver drugging the children and that got really dark really fast it got and really we do a, dark we do a you, you gave podcast. me like two sentences of it and i was like no that's very dark <laughs> That's very dark. <laughs> so, let's, uh, last segment of the podcast, we... So you're going to rate this chapter out of sewing machines. Is that what we're doing? Out of brand new... Or sluice gates. <laughs> Sparkling sewing machines and sluice gates. Uh, that's what we do, and we, I, at least I go back and, you know, read the chapter, and again, no, I don't read it again. What am I saying? I'm lying <laughs> to you people right now. Uh, you only I, read every chapter yeah, one time that is exclusively. And, and I look through it and I give it a rating based on how well it did, you know, what the goal of the chapter was. And we're doing this one out of a five star, five sewing machine system. Um, hmm. This one, I feel like a fair bit happened in. Uh, and that was kind of where I was going with my summary, where I was hitting on individual points because I was trying to get each of the story beats a little bit in there. Uh, you know, and you know, we have, we have a little bit of action in this chapter. We, you know, go on a journey, we do some hiding, we get drunk, we have some tea (laughs) to recover the next morning. We meet a stranger. We meet a stranger. Father Christmas gives us presents. Uh, and a lot of stuff goes down. Cultural and, advice about women in bucks. Yeah, and I I feel like the 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 chapter kind of I don't, I don't I'm trying to look think of a word here, not not reeks because uh, that gives it a negative connotation that I don't want to do. It's the, the, the chapter full. smacks of um, the idea that I think C.S. Lewis got away from himself and wanted to write a longer book. Like, I feel like he wanted this book to be twice as long as it was. 
because mm. he has this like this is we're sixty six percent of the way through. We're ten Are you chapters sure? we're ten chapters into a fifteen chapter book. And we still really haven't done anything with the core conflict of this narrative. Like, we are two-thirds of the way through it. We haven't introduced one of our key players of Aslan. Mm-hmm. We haven't had any kind of conflict between Aslan and the witch, which is kind of what this whole thing is about. Mm-hmm. And it's this is all set up, and this is all still set up. And just now we get to a point where these three characters are, like, given things that is going to speak to their role in the coming, you know, climax of the book. And I feel like the... If it were a longer book, the pacing would be just fine. But I feel like with the length of the book that it is, the pacing is kind of dragging on a bit. I see. And we we should have done more by this point. Anyway, uh, my kind of word diarrhea aside. Uh, it's called logorrhea. It's actually a word for that. <laughs> I thought that was a math term. No, logorrhea is verbal diarrhea. Cool. Um. Anyway, uh... Solid chapter. Things happen. I, we have a lot of character development for everybody involved, even the Beavers. It's a logarithm in math. Yeah, yeah that different. was that was my joke. Oh, I see. Ha ha! Uh, we meet a. Ha ha ha! That's uh, all you're gonna get of my Mickey Mouse impersonation. <laughs> will... Would you like a flask? <laughs> we won't go there. It'll make you feel warm. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so um. Yeah, it's good. Um, I, I feel like I'm giving all these chapters the same rating, and this is a dumb, dumb segment that we should stop doing. No, <laughs> never. We should never stop doing this segment. I think our next book, I'm going to give this segment up because I'm. I just I get samey in all of these, and it's, I'm starting to repeat myself. Uh, so whatever. Four four fancy new showing machines out of five. Cool. Um, in this chapter. I, I'm going to give this chapter the horn that Santa gave to Susan, which if you blow it, some help should come, I think. This is where you insert like a shofar sound effect. No, this is what Santa <laughs> says. <laughs> yeah. What Santa says, he says, and when you put this horn to your lips and blow it, then wherever you are, I think help of some kind will come to you. Like Santa is giving her a horn and being like, here's a thing to protect you. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Here's a thing that might help and a thing that you're not supposed to use. Merry Christmas. Which is, yes, exactly. Here, Here's a thing you shouldn't use, and here's a thing that you can use, but it might not help you. I mean, that's what I give this chapter. Absolutely. It is the horn of Susan. Like, huh? We didn't even get into that. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, okay. Anyway, my voice is completely done. Yeah, we should end here. Um, so if you want to um, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, we are there at Chronically Podcast. And we're a little shorter on Twitter at Chronically Pod because, you know, less characters <clears throat> back in the day. Um, and then you can email us at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, post on any of those your sentence summaries, your. Uh, sluice gate uh fan <laughs> art um and if you share anything with us via email we will bring it up on the podcast as well um so real quick disclaimer before we end uh we as we might have mentioned we are going on vacation this week and we're going to be out all week long so if circumstances conspire to not allow us to record for next week we might be skipping uh, the next Monday, there will be a, there will be a little something posted next Monday, regardless. Yeah. Um, 
as a as a tribute or gift to those of you who do follow the podcast. Um, but there may not be a full episode next. So week. we'll see. Hopefully we can get to it. But just a warning uh, if we cannot. And that being said, cheerio, cheerio, fruit loops. Is Frausty Frosty with a German accent? I don't know, but it's Frausty. Oh, Zero she Frausty. Zero Frausty. You are? You're, you're rather snug? I'm rather snug. This is DJ Rather Snug. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And his co-host, uh, A Bottle of Glass. Anyway. <laughs> like a badger would be. Not a badger. Wow. Like wow. a beaver would be. <laughs> you speciesist. If it wasn't for that. We would just have to move it. For that darn... We could leave the basil by this window and then move it into the kitchen during the day. This has nothing to do with beavers. It, it, it has nothing to do with Christmas either. Or coronavirus. <laughs> I feel like there's a certain amount of camaraderie that the, like, Tolkien, or, uh, Yeah, you know, Tolkien, the authors of Other than my my comment being like, oh, the beavers are huge. They're so big. <laughs> I just that's a big old beaver. Anyway, <laughs> for a, for a teapot to have a teapot, single packet of tea though. You make single, a yeah. teapot. You make a pot of tea. Yeah. She has a packet to make a pot of tea. But a single packet of tea goes into like a cup of tea that no, I I drank. That this is the you're in Narnia now. <laughs> Um, I was ah, contrasting it. Thank you for that grammar moment that I prompted. <laughs> You're welcome, Chris. I'm glad that I could inform you in this way. It's a miracle we've made it this far in this podcast. Anyway. <laughs>